0: is a new beginning. Yeah, this is just a start. We won't forget this feeling. Hi, I'm Stephen Shawcross. My name is Heather. Hi, my name is Brenna. And I was baptized. And I was baptized in August of 2021. Back in August of 2021. In February of this year. Being baptized has made a difference in my life spiritually because I feel a lot closer to God. My original baptism was not by my choice. It was my parents, and I'm thankful for that but this time it was my choice and it's brought me so much closer to God. I chose to get baptized back in August because I had fully decided to give everything over to Christ and say that I wanna be completely all in for you. I decided to become baptized because I felt like it was the next step in my faith walk. I knew that an inward change had definitely occurred, so it was time to make that change public. If you are thinking about being baptized, I would say just do it. I would say to just do it. Really pray on it and leave that decision in the hands of the Lord. It's the next step in your relationship, and it is a piece, an essential piece of development. I was questioning it just because I didn't know how different people in my life were gonna react but once I did take that action step, I knew that I was making God proud and that's ultimately what matters. You will not regret being baptized and being made new in the Lord. Hey, Christ Community, how you doing? Good, good to see you here in person, those of you who are online with us. um, If baptism is your next yes, we're having our last baptism services of this year next weekend, November 12th and 13th, and uh, if you wanna be part of that, if you have questions about it, if you're in the room, you can shoot the QR code, and under the What's Happening button, that'll let you sign up for baptism for more information. For those of you who are watching online, if you go to the Next Steps section of our website, uh, we'll get you there. So um, hopefully you'll participate in that if you've not been baptized yet. So if I haven't met you, my name's Darrell Holden, one of the pastors here, and it is great to be with you this time change weekend. This is the good one, like so we're all happy about this. So we're, we're really good with the extra hour of sleep and what it means for the daylight deal, so you um, should be smiling, or smiling all the way into the Monday morning, so, so excited that you're here. We're in this series we're calling Healthy Habits. We're talking about important things that are going on in our lives today and how you and I can respond in a healthy way, and so today I wanna talk to you about how to handle your money well. So, um, young Rockefeller of the New York Rockefellers, 17 years old, early 1900s, walking down the street, sees an apple, and uh, he picked it up and it was fine, it was just dirty, so he dusted it off and he, he sold that apple to a stranger for 25 cents. And he took that 25 cents and went to a vendor who was off the main street and negotiated to buy two apples and With those two apples, he went back to the main street and sold each of them for 50 cents and he went back to that same vendor and bought four apples and took them out and and sold them for a dollar and then about 11 months later, he turned 18 years old and he inherited his grandma's millions and he was set for life. Okay. So I don't know what your plan is for how you're gonna be set for life, how you're gonna be set for your financial future, but um, I wanna say a few words that I think maybe like are gonna cause you a little bit of stress for these next few moments. Uh, the economy, right, inflation, uh, gas prices, grocery prices, are we good? We're in, a, we're in a season now, I don't know what we call it, I've seen um, recession, one of my favorite words was new to me, stagflation, I don't think we're in that, but like that was a deal out there and we're, um, we're entering into this season, and the, I think the other word that we put on top of all of this is uncertainty. And so we live, this, we live in this time of, of financial and economic uncertainty, and, and it is causing many of us to, to wonder, like, how are we gonna do this? What's next? How are we gonna move forward? What is my future going to be like? What's the future gonna hold for me? And, and we live in a time where fear is probably the word that we would hang over our culture as it relates to the, the economy, the economic environment, and our economic future. And I would say to you this weekend, like you you have a choice. You You can ride the wave of fear that is present in our culture or you could receive what God wants to give to you. And what God wants to give to you in every turn and even in this area of your finances, he wants to give to you hope and joy and peace. So what I wanna share with you this weekend is really words of hope and of joy and of peace, how you could experience these things as a gift from God, how you could live looking forward, how you could handle your money well. So what I wanna talk with you about, in this, in this season of sweeping of sweeping change and uncertainty, I wanna talk with you about four things that have not changed. All right, so four things that remain the same for us, and then I have three ideas for you, kind of about how we go forward from here as people of God. So let me start, first thing that has not changed for us you're gonna handle your money well and know this thing, God is still your provider, right? So God is still your provider. I didn't know if you're aware of this. It's, it's easy to forget this when, when the economy is booming and you know, everything's headed up and to the right. I'm like, it's just, it's easy to forget who provides for us and it's easy to think that like I provide for me or my work provides for me or the bonuses I'm getting right now are providing for me, but, but in the good times, God is your provider and in the uncertain times, God is still your provider. So in Genesis chapter 22 verse 14, I love this little statement here because this was a slogan for, this was a slogan for centuries. It comes out of a moment of great provision that the Lord made for Abraham, the father of people of faith. And, and because of that provision, if you read through Genesis chapter 22, because of God's provision for Abraham in that moment, the Lord provides, Abraham said, That's, this is who God is. He, He is the one who provides, and then as that story began to make its way out, that story turned into this little slogan where God's people would look at each other and say, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. If if we're with him and he's with us, then we're going to have provision. God's still our provider. In Psalm 81, verse 10, God is speaking to his people, and he says to us, I'm the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, from the ancient nation of Israel coming out of Egypt, through the 10 plagues, crossing the Red Sea, like all that stuff, and to people like you and me who've been brought out of a spiritual Egypt, out of spiritual slavery, to sin through Jesus, he looks at us and says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. So I love this verse, one of the things that really drew my attention to it, if you've heard the name George Mueller. George Mueller was a pastor in England back in the 1800s, and he, as he walked around and saw, he saw the orphans on the streets of London and in the streets of the surrounding communities and just was moved in his heart that somebody has to do something about this. Here are these kids who are are starving and dying in the streets of the city, And, and it compelled him to start an orphanage which grew into orphanages five houses over the course of his ministry, he cared for 10,000 plus orphans, provided them with food and shelter and many of them with education and future. And he did not ever tell another person what he needed to do that. He, He spent his time telling God what he needs and there are biographies upon biographies written about this guy and about his ministry, but he only told the Lord what he need in prayer and he held on to this verse. Like this, was, this was one of his verses of, Lord, you have promised that if I open wide my mouth, you will fill it, and so I am taking care of these kids, and God provided for their every need. Open wide your mouth. I'm the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. He's still our provider. And then Jesus said this. He said, consider the ravens. Like Look at the birds. They don't sow. They don't reap. And they don't plant seeds. They don't harvest what grew up. They have no storeroom, they have no barn. I mean, where to keep all the stuff, yet God feeds them. And then he says, how much more valuable you are than birds. And so we have this incredible promise from Jesus to his people that it's, like God is still our provider. He provides for the birds and he looks at us and says, I'll take care of the birds and you're so much more valuable to me than those birds. I take care of you and so God is still our provider. That's the first thing that hasn't changed for us. The second thing that hasn't changed, there's still a greater purpose for our lives and our money. Like our lives and our money still have a greater purpose and and it's one that's been gifted to you by God. Uh, Marie and I, one of the first times we sat down with a financial planner, a Christian guy, and we're so grateful for him. One of the first questions he asked us is, are you aware of the greater purpose for your money? And it was just a beautiful moment for us that yes, our, it's not just our lives, but our money also has a greater purpose. And your purpose, the greater purpose for your life and your money, doesn't, it doesn't ride with the economic times. Like this is, it still, it stays. And so you and I, our lives and our money have a greater purpose. Jesus helps us figure out what this is. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. Like the second one is so close to it that we have to say them together. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you're wondering, like, what is my greater purpose? Well, there's the first chunk of it is to, to honor Jesus, to love God with all that you've got. And then the second, like to love our neighbors too. And then Jesus looks at his followers at the end of Jesus's life before he heads back to heaven. He looks at his followers and he said, hey, let me give you something to do. Like this is what you're to be about while I'm gone, till I come back, to go and make disciples of all nations. If you're gonna follow me, like you have this incredible privilege to, to introduce other people to me and help them come along with you in following after me and so you get, to, you get to be a person, if you're a follower of Jesus, you get to be somebody who helps other people follow him too and that's the great purpose of our lives. And then in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, we this statement here that just says that, that each one of us, this is true about you, it's true about me. Each one of us, we're God's unique creation. We're his handiwork. We are his masterpiece. He is, he is a master craft, he's an artisan. And he he, manufact- he makes each one of us uniquely and individually so you and I are, we are God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so your life and your money still have this greater purpose that God has given to you with how you're to spend all your days, all your energy, all the resource that he's given to you has a greater purpose. And so so that hasn't changed either. The third thing that hasn't changed. Greed is still a bigger threat to any of us or to anything that makes the financial news. Greed's still a bigger threat to us than anything that makes the financial news. When when you read the money headlines, whatever, whatever news media, whatever app, whatever paper you get, when you're looking at the financial section of that and you see the things that are that are there to drive fear into your heart, there's there's still something bigger that's a bigger danger to you than anything you see in the headlines, and that is greed. And the reason for this is because the danger is not really what's out there. The most dangerous things are what's in here, what's in our heart, because it's the stuff in our heart that leads us astray. And so, greed, which is really all about more, what greed is is greed is it's all about more. How can I have more? How can I get more? Greed is what leads at least so many people astray. We read later in the scriptures, it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. It's how do I get more? How do I get more? How do I have more? How do I Like how do I add, how do I accumulate? Over and over again, Jesus talked about and told stories of people that thing for more, that desire for more that's in all of us is way more dangerous to us than what's happening with the stock market, what's happening with the election, what's happening with all these other things as as it impacts the bottom line in our personal finances. Greed is still a bigger threat to us than anything that's in the financial news. Jesus said it in Luke chapter 12, he said, Hey, watch out. You Watch out. And he's talking to a crowd who's so with the crowd. And some guy from the crowd yells at Jesus, Hey, teacher, tell my brother to split dad's inheritance with me. This is a, this is a younger brother who didn't get the money. The older brother gets the money back in Jesus' day. And this guy's yelling at Jesus, Hey, tell my brother to give me half. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, I'm not the judge like that between the two of you guys. Be on your guard, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. It's just not it. Whatever, whatever an abundance looks like or whatever abundance feels like to you, that is not where life is found. Like life does not consist in an abundance of possessions in one of the great lies that we're told it comes from within, it comes from without. One of the great lies we're told is that life consists in abundance of possessions. If I could have more, like if I could just have more, not how much, but just more, if I could just have more, and greed, it's way bigger threat to us than anything that's going on out there. And, and it boils down to Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, nobody can serve two masters can't do it. You're gonna hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted one and despise the other and make sure everybody knew what he was talking about. You cannot serve both God and money. Only one of them can be your God. Only one of them can set the course and the direction for your life. Only one of them can define for you your greater purpose. Only one of them can bring you life and joy and health and peace and satisfaction. You can't, have, you can't serve God and money, and if you choose to serve money, it's gonna take you astray. Because greed is more dangerous to us than anything that's going on out there in the financial news, and that has not changed. Doesn't matter if we're in seasons of abundance or if we're in seasons of, of, of volatility or even in seasons of depression, it doesn't matter. Greed's still a greater threat to us than anything that's going on out there. That's the third thing to keep in mind. It hasn't changed. Greed's still a bigger threat. And then this fourth thing, is we still have three different days to think about. Because we've all been entrusted with resources to some degree, and so you still have three days to think about, and the first is today. You gotta think about today, Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Because you and the people that you're responsible for, like they, they have to eat, you have, you have resource that needs to be deployed into the lives of those you're responsible for today. And so we have to think about today and how, how do I take care of myself and those that God has put around me and maybe me responsible for? How, how do I care for them in a way that honors him today? And then we have to think about a day that we can't work anymore. And you might think about this as your retirement fund, you might think about this as a savings account, this might be a short time when you can't work, this might be a long time when you're working, this might be when you just kinda of get to the end, of, go, I'm done, I can't work anymore. But you have to think about that day, that future day when you can't work anymore. And, and there's tension here. We all feel it, right, of how do I provide for today, how do I take care of, of today and think about that future day. And I really appreciate what the wise man in the Proverbs says, he says, go to the ant. You sluggard, like he just points, and I don't really like appreciate being called a sluggard, but sometimes I am, so I'll take it. Go Look at the ants, watch them. Like If you're trying to figure this out, watch the ants. Consider how it, fun, like those, that ant pile in your yard, consider how those ants function and learn from them. Because they don't have a commander, they don't have an overseer, They don't have a ruler, and what the ant does is it stores up its provisions in summer and gathers its food at the harvest time. Why? Because there's winter coming. And there's gonna be cold and snow on the ground, and they're not gonna be able to come out of their, their hole and out of their pile and to be able to, like they're not gonna be able to gather. And so you and I all have that coming for us. We have days ahead when we don't, like we're not gonna be able to work, and so we've gotta think not just about today, we have to think about the day that we can't work anymore And then there's this third day that we have to think about and that is the day that we stand before Jesus. Someday I'm gonna stand before Jesus and I'm gonna give an account to him of how I've lived my one and only life. How I handled the time, the energy, the money, the relationships, the opportunities that he put in front of me, like I'm gonna stand before him in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. The Apostle Paul writes about this. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us can receive what's due for us for the things that we've done in the body, whether good or bad. And it and it has the opportunity, like I don't know how you feel about that. It makes me nervous sometimes thinking about it, but, but I'm gonna stand before Jesus. And he stood before Pilate and was condemned to death for me and he hung on a cross and bore my sin and he rose from the dead and gave me his life. I mean, he loves me, he's watching out for me, he's provided everything for me. So standing before him, like this has gotta be a grace moment, right? This is who he is and it's a a grace and love moment and we're going to answer for how we've spent our one and only lives, and how we spent the resources that he gave to us, and how we handled what we were entrusted with. And, and Jesus looks at people like you and me and talks to us very clearly about how we're supposed to handle money. Like, like what, what we what's gonna be the question on that day of judgment? What's, what's he going to be looking for on that day of judgment? And, And one of the places where it talks about this is in Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 21. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is when Jesus is laying out for people, like here's what it looks like to follow me. In Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 21, he says, hey, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. Instead, store up for yourself treasures in heaven because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we should probably feel some tension Right, because we just read about the ant that, that works really hard in the summer and the fall to store up from when it can't work. But Jesus looks at his people and says, hey, God's still your provider. So, so you don't have to store up treasures here on earth. Instead of that, you could store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And the piece of this that's really important is the why. Because where your treasure is where you're laying your treasure, that's where your heart is. So if your treasure's here on earth, your heart's gonna be stuck here on earth and if your treasure's in heaven, your heart's gonna lead the way for you into eternity and and so you and I have this great opportunity to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven and then he, telling this story, he looks, after he tells this story about how a person used earthly gain, like used money in order to make provision for their future, he says, listen, I need you guys to understand this as his followers. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And and the call in all of this is, like someday you're gonna stand before me. Someday you're gonna stand at the gate of heaven. Someday, Someday you're gonna walk into eternity and what I give to you today, like the resources that you and I have, the financial resources that you and I have, there's tremendous opportunity that we've been given to impact the lives of people for all eternity. I don't know if you've thought about that. The things that you give towards, like where, where you spend money, where you give money, you have an opportunity to use money in such a way that it makes a difference for you and for somebody else for all eternity. And, and so keeping in mind, like we've, we've got today and we have to take care of ourselves and the people that God has given to us and then we have these days when we can't work and we're supposed to like watch the ant store up but don't store up for yourself treasures on earth we store up treasures in heaven because there's a day coming when we're going to stand before Jesus and this is this is what he's going to look to us and ask of us and require of us and so so there's a way for us to use money that allows us to live to live in a season when we're unable to earn and to make a difference in the lives of people for all eternity So so keeping those things in mind, that don't change. Let me offer you, I'm gonna offer you three things about handling money well, particularly in a season like this where it's difficult and frustrating and there's so much uncertainty and there's so much unknown. So the first piece of this is to be intentionally grateful. To be intentionally grateful. Brian and I feel it too. Gasoline costs more everywhere we go. Groceries cost more every time we go to the store. We have the same amount of income and it does less right everybody's everybody's got less than what they had however many months ago all this stuff started and it's easy when you have less to be frustrated by that and it's easy when you have less to to grumble about that it's easy when you have less to complain and and that complaining leads to greed and is an expression of greed and so the best way to combat that is to be intentionally grateful. And over and over again in the New Testament, the church, God's people, Christian people, are, we're called to be grateful. And so I just grabbed this verse from Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, doesn't matter what's going on in the economy, keep doing all this, kind of keep doing these things and be overflowing with thankfulness. And so, so to be people who are just committed, regardless of what's happening and maybe you've let yourself get into the grumbling or maybe your kids have been grumbling a little bit and you've been putting up with that because we don't go out to eat as often or because they don't have this... Right, when we have less, our natural tendency is, even if it never comes out of our mouth, our natural tendency is to notice how much less we've had. And so instead of being people who notice and are dissatisfied, to be people who are intentionally grateful. And to that end, I would say, to be a person who prays prayers of gratitude. Because who's your provider? God's your provider. And and he's a good provider. And he takes care of you. And so even if you don't have everything or it's not stretching as far, like to be intentionally grateful to him for what he has provided for you and then to say thank you a whole lot more. And this is a polite culture. So we do say thank you to each other in our culture, but to notice opportunities to be grateful, not just to God, but to one another as we go about our every day, to cultivate gratitude in our hearts to be intentionally grateful as we, as we move through our days to fight against that greed and that grumbling that tend to dwell in our hearts. So, so the first part about handling your money well in days like this is to be intentionally grateful. Here's the second thing. To make giving to the Lord a first thing in your life. To make giving to the Lord a first thing. So this is one of my verses, Proverbs chapter three, verse nine, just for the Holden family, this is one of the things that we hang on to we're about just trying to count the years. Marie and I are about 23, 24 years into taking this giving thing seriously in our lives. And and in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 there's this statement and promise it's honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops. And we don't have any crops. I get a paycheck to honor the Lord with our wealth and with the first fruits of our paycheck, and then what happens is your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine and I don't have any barns and I don't have any vats. But we have stuff, like we have, we have life to be lived and, and it's provision upon provision that God promises to his people who honor him with first fruits. Like to make giving a first thing, giving to the Lord a first thing in your life. And, and it's really tempting it's really tempting for giving to be down the list. Right, if we, if we have any left over, we'll give. If there's maybe, I can't do it first, I can't do it second, but I could make it fourth. And, and over and over again, we're just told, the way that honors God, like giving that honors God is when we give to him first. And so if, if you're a person who, who when, you look at your, when you look at giving to the Lord, you slide it down to the if we can afford it category, I would challenge you on that and I would encourage you. Like this is a faith commitment. This is a, like let's just put it into the hands of God and see what happens kind of thing. And again, as a guy who's kind of put it into the hands of God for 20 something years, I would encourage you to put it in the hands of God and see what happens to move your giving, between you and him, to move your giving up and make it a first thing. So like the other step, when we start looking at what we're gonna cut, because it's more expensive to live, we're not cutting giving, that's a first thing. We're in with what the Lord has called us to give, we're gonna do that, and if whatever we have to cut beyond that, like we'll cut that stuff, but we're gonna honor God with our wealth with the first fruits, and put it in his hands and see what happens, and so to make giving to the Lord for you and for yourself a first thing. And then I wanna share with you this verse, this is from 1 Timothy chapter six. I really appreciate this verse. So the apostle Paul is writing to Timothy who's this young pastor of this church in the ancient city of Ephesus. And so Paul's kind of telling him like, okay, you're young, you're new at this, here's how it goes, here's what I want you to do. So you get to chapter six, towards the end of the letter, this is the last chapter of the letter, and so he, he says, okay, so Timothy, here's what you're supposed to do, command, Right, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So if you're wondering who these rich people are, it's us. Right, guys, like, if you, if you know what you're gonna eat tomorrow in the, in the global economy and in the history of the world, if you know what you're gonna eat tomorrow, or maybe you haven't decided what you're gonna fix yet, but you got food for tomorrow. If you got food for tomorrow, you're rich. You're just, you're rich. And you may not feel rich, and you may look around you and say, oh, I am not rich, but you're rich. And so, so the statement here is, like, it's to us. So, so command people who are rich in this present world, don't be arrogant, don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, right? Because if you've been looking at anything connected to your finances, it's been doing this. This is a great day to say wealth is, like your personal wealth is very uncertain. The wise man in the Proverbs says, don't put your hope in riches because they sprout wings and they will fly away. Right, like that, it's a really kinda funny image to me, but it's so true. If, if you have any money saved somewhere in the stock market watching that deal, like it is, there is, there are money birds flying out of your, out of your barn as we speak. Right? And so so don't put your hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything because God is still our provider. He richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And he provides you for your enjoy, he provides for you for your enjoyment, not for selfish enjoyment, but for generous enjoyment. So this isn't just so like I can have and we can and we have fun with our money. This is about joy. The middle word is joy. And and joy does not equal fun, and fun does not equal joy. God gives you richly for your enjoyment. And then he says, like, after you command him that, command him this, command them to do good, to be rich, not just in money, but to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, when we, when we behave like this, in this way, we lay up treasures for ourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth instead lay up for yourself treasures in heaven in this way, being rich in good deeds, generous, willing to share, so that we can take hold of the life that is truly life and so so you and I have this opportunity to be generous with what God has provided for us and so if you, you think about it with me this way so I 'm I got money, and there are two ways to live. I can live like this, holding on and, and hoping, right? Because that's, that's what it all boils down to. You may have some strategies that are, that are fancy, and, but, but what it is is holding on and hoping. Or I can be generous and, and receive God's rich provision, and I can hold all this open in my hands I can live generously towards others, and in doing that, I actually don't take hold of money and hope I get to take hold of life that is truly life. Because, it's, again, it's one, of the, it's one of the great lies we're all prone to believe, that, that the money we have will buy us the life we want. And if I could just get enough money, I could have the kind of life that I want, and that is not true. There's only, there's only one kind of life that is really life and there's only one way to get that life and that is to receive it from the one who gives it to you and he can't put it in your hands if they're squeezed around the money and stuff that you've got. And so, so we, have this, we have this amazing opportunity to make giving to the Lord a first thing, let go of the money so he can put in our hands and we can hold on to the life that is truly life. And so I would encourage you to make giving to the Lord, to be generous with your money, make that a first thing when you're looking at how do you spend in really uncertain times. And then here's, here's this last thing, this third thing about, it's practical. Tie your spending to your greater purpose. Tie your spending to your greater purpose. So I've been talking about this for years. And this last part for me has changed probably over the last seven or eight years. He used to just talk about the importance of not spending more than you have left, right? So we give and we save. And then, and then I'm thinking about today, like just don't spend more than you have left after, after you give and save. But I don't think that's, I don't think that's, wasn't far enough. When you tie your spending to your greater purpose, there's more joy in that is if we're talking about receiving from the Lord peace and, and joy in this area of our finances, this is the path to joy, is to tie your spending to your greater purpose. And that helps address some of those things about like spending more than we make or spending more than we have left over, but but when you're looking at your spending and tying that to the greater purpose that God has given to you, to loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to loving your neighbor the way you love yourself, to making disciples, to doing the good works that he has prepared in advance for you to do, when you tie your spending to that greater purpose, this is an amazing thing, that you would get to, that you would get to give not only your life but the resources that God has given you to this greater purpose that he, has, that he has given to you. I love what Jesus says. This is Matthew chapter six, verses 31 through 34. He tells his, he tells his followers again, he says, don't worry. <laughs> and we need to hear something like that in these kind of times, don't worry, saying, what are we gonna eat? What are we gonna drink? What are we gonna wear? Like, how are we gonna meet our needs? He says, don't worry about that stuff. The pagans, all the people, like the people who don't even care about God, Like those people run after all that stuff and your heavenly father knows you need it. He is very aware of what your needs are because he's watching you and you're important to him and so he's very aware that you need these things. So here's what you and I get to do. We get to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and part of that is tying our spending to this greater purpose that he's given to us. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you because God is our provider. Our Father knows we need these things, and so as we tie our spending to the greater purpose, as we handle our money the way he wants us to handle it, like he fills our hands back up, so don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's gonna worry about itself. It'll work itself out. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You don't have to worry about these things. Tie your spending to your greater purpose, and there's joy in this. So I wanna wrap this up. I wanna show you this little poem. This was, in the house I grew up in, in, our home, this was on a little plaque that was in our kitchen. And I saw this, however many meals I ate at that kitchen table for however many years I lived at home, like I saw this plaque that many times. And I didn't appreciate it as a kid and I appreciate it as a grown up. It's by Elizabeth Chaney, it's a little poem called Overheard in an Orchard. Orchard said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. And you and I have a father who cares for us, who sees, who hears, who knows, who runs to us, who provides for us, who gives us what we need so that we can live and that we can give We can be generous and we can hang on to life that is really life. So as you head out of this worship service today, those of you guys who are here, those of you guys who are online, I want to remind you again of what Jesus said. This is in Matthew chapter six. Don't worry. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You are valuable in the eyes of your heavenly father. He sees, he hears, he knows, he's watching, he's got you. You don't have to worry. You can live with all the confidence that all the resources of heaven have been given to you to do what God has called you to do. So can I pray for us? Would you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me? Heavenly father, thank you that you see and you hear and you know that you have looked at us and, and remind us over and over again that we are valuable to you. Thank you for the love that you have for us. We celebrate that in communion. Experience it in Jesus, the gift of your spirit. I pray for myself and for my friends that we would be convinced that you are a provider, that we do not have to worry, that we can live out greater purposes that you have given to us that we do not have to chase after things, but we could trust you, and we would use the resources that you have entrusted to us to live generously and to live well. Thank you that as we turn loose of the stuff we tend to hold on to, you will fill our hands with and allow us to hold on to life that is truly life. That's what we desire myself and for my friends, and so we're asking you for that, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Hey, it's been great to be with you guys. If um, you need to pray with somebody, about anything that's going on in your life, there'll be prayer team members down here at the front. They'd love to pray with you. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. I love you. You're dismissed.